On episode 191 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to develop your emotional intelligence and maximize your potential with special guest Joshua Oxley. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mirban Iranshad. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the podcast. This is Mirban Iranshad, and I hope you're all doing well and staying safe and getting to play some tennis these days. Uh, for today's episode, I brought on Coach Joshua Oxley. Uh, we connected over Clubhouse, which is a very intriguing new app where you can check out just content on a variety of, of uh, different subjects. Uh, it's audio only and iPhone only, but uh, yeah, and he, he has a, a morning show where he gives advice and tips with uh, his fellow coach, Yannick, and uh, I came to learn that he had worked with uh, some very talented uh, players such as Katie Dunn, Amanda Carreras, and Susie Larkin on the WTA Tour, and he's had 15 years in the tennis industry, and he also was a highly ranked ITF junior and played some pro-level, or played some pro-level tennis. So, you know, with the program that he has on Clubhouse, I figured let's bring him in to share some tips with our audience. So, here it is, pretty much. So I hope that you enjoy this interview with Josh Oxley and learn a lot from it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Tennis Falls podcast. It's a pleasure to have Josh Oxley on the show today. And I noticed that he had been doing a lot of really educational sessions on Clubhouse uh, regarding how to help players improve their game. Uh, and we got to touch base uh, through that app. And uh, it's really, really been fantastic to uh, to get to know a little bit more about each other. And I brought him on to, uh, to explore a uh, couple of different topics to help you improve your game, including the mental side and uh, a whole host of other topics. So Josh, I uh, really appreciate you coming on and it's great to uh, great to connect. Likewise, Maravan. Great to be on the show and look forward to talking tennis. Yeah, definitely, Josh. I appreciate it. So I kind of just want to jump right in with uh, the topic of emotional intelligence and you know, that's clearly an area where a lot of us can improve upon and it can make or break our, our matches. So I wanted you to kind of first uh, define what emotional intelligence is, and then we can explore more about how to, uh, how to improve that aspect. For sure. I think it's a really good subject. So when you say emotional intelligence, it's something we're constantly talking about when we're on the tennis court. How can we get the best out of every individual? How can we stay mentally tough? throughout tennis. I think when we're in tennis matches, often you know yourself from that American pathway, we're constantly finding ways to go through adversity and always trying to find ways to win. So in terms of mental intelligence, you have to stay tough to beat, you know, we have to have those strategies out there and we're always thinking, uh, you know, we have to reinvent ourselves from time to time. Uh, I've been lucky enough, I'm really passionate about the production of players. And often when we have signs of matches going a little bit tight, what can we do 
to, to really push that momentum in the right way and, and find a way of winning. You know, that culture, that environment that we create on the court is so important towards a player's performance. Great stuff, Josh. So what can we, you know, what can we do as far as taking steps? I'm curious, you know, like let's say we have a player who they're kind of struggling in this area and they, they want like step-by-step uh, advice. Like what is the first step that you would have them take to help them improve their emotional intelligence? Okay, so yeah, look, great topic to start with. Uh, I think it's really important what kind of influence they have around them. And again, I like going back to the environments. I like going back to what kind of culture that they've been produced in. Uh, and how can we get the best out of that individual? Um, I think the culture in sport is really important. And I like the saying, culture eats strategy for breakfast day. Eh? So I think we've always got to speak about that when we're on the tennis court. Um, often when I was playing on the ICF tour, there's moments of adversity where you can often sway the outcome of the match. Eh? Um, but you have to be really careful in your characters and your attitude on the court, not to wind the player up the wrong way. I think you guys know in the American college how much banter is there out there at the States, you know, those guys are absolutely slanting each other all the time. You know, when you're about to serve, they're saying something about their grandma or, or when they're running to the ball, it's just constant. And, and you know what? We really miss that around the world. So it's great that you guys uh, are so big on the characteristics and mental toughness on the court. And I think we can definitely take a page out of your book for sure. But look, staying mentally tough on that tennis court is a must. Uh, if you want to compete uh, and you want to have good results, so important you know i often say playing tennis is like a game of chess and we always have to make that one move and anticipate a little bit more than our opponent so yeah really important part of tennis and i'm glad you touched on it yeah for sure and it's funny you said uh grandma because i remember uh uh, an example of uh playing at um in Ithaca at Cornell, there was a college tennis tournament, and uh, before I served, uh, one of the players, I forget which team it was, they actually said, uh, oh, my grandmother plays better than you. So <laughs> that's funny that you mentioned uh, that, that specific <laughs> example, which happened to me. Um, so yeah, no, we, We've got guys, actually, I work a little bit with the college placement, and we work a little bit with Pepperdine and Boise State, and work at a few different colleges over in Florida. just sent one of my boys, uh, Dario Commit. Uh, to, to eastern florida and he's constantly voice clipping me on insta saying josh you know what i had to deal with this week i can't believe it but as long as you do not let that define you and you still find ways to better yourself in moments of adversity that's the main thing and look i think these players come back stronger and stronger each time i think the great products of the american system are john isner and stevie johnson and, and how tough are those guys out on the court you know but look, really like the fact that you touched on that because I love bringing out the emotions on the tennis court. I work a lot with national players in London and go a little bit down to the National Training Centre at Roehampton. And I often find myself talking about how can we get the best out of your emotions on that tennis court? Can we use them in a positive manner? Uh, And then do we know how to to balance them out when it's not going our way? So a really important part of tennis. Definitely. And so what's an example of using uh, emotion in, in a positive manner that we can do? I think we have to really take into consideration how important the routine is. You know, so when we're looking at our strings, we're trying to look at our body language and we're trying to walk around with that good presence on the tennis court. Uh, It's really important, you know, especially from a player's perspective. Often when you look at signs down the other end and you can see signs of negativity or poor body language, you know, players are going to pick up on that. So how good are our routines? Are we going to our strings? What mannerisms have we got? You know, I think there's one player that really, uh, 
shouts out to me when we think about mannerisms and routines. And look at Nadal before he serves. What is he doing? He's almost giving himself a wedgie. And this is just a, another reminder and example of how important it is to get in that moment, get in that present, uh, to really get the best out of your tennis. So yeah, routines are, are definitely something that's really important when you're performing. Yeah, so what's um, maybe like a routine that you've given your student to do? Because I guess sometimes uh, it's, it's suggested to like stack a couple of them. So what, what's um, an example of a routine that you have a player do? So, okay, like we touched a little bit on moments of adversity. We all know as tennis players that things don't quite go how we want it to plan. Uh, and sometimes things go a little bit negatively throughout the match. So often if a, a player is having a little bit of trouble, what I say to them is, yeah, let that emotion out. As long as we can start afresh, and I'll give you a little example. Rather than smashing your racket, like we see so much on the tour, why don't you get a ball? Why don't you let this frustration uh, with free to start afresh and start again mentally and physically. And I think that's a really important part of tennis. Good stuff, good stuff. So um, just like for definition's sake, I guess, is there a difference between emotional intelligence and mental toughness? Or uh, is that like, does one encompass the other? How does that work? I think emotional intelligence, uh, and I love the wording, and mental toughness kind of roll into one. Uh, I think we've always got to stay mentally tough. And there's certain ways you can deal with players. And I think the females are definitely a lot different to the males in terms of the coaching industry, uh, in terms of when we're on court and how we deal with our emotions and whether we can use them towards the outcome of the match. Uh, there was a girl that I used to do some work with over at the ASB in New Zealand. It was Susie Larkin. She's around sort of 600. And she was getting really upset and really emotional that there were coaches on court working with these players. Uh, and I wasn't able to go to her to the tournament she felt like emotionally she was starting to lose that momentum in the match because there was a, a sway in what was happening you know so it's really important in terms of girls in terms of guys just to relay look you stay mentally tough out there whether it's recreational level whether it's performance whether you're a pro whether you're just playing once a week with the family if you can stay mentally tough on that tennis court you can get good results you know don't allow your opponent to pick up on those signs of weakness always have that presence on the tennis court. All right, great stuff. So is there any utility to, um, you know, like I guess yelling or, or whatnot? Cause like some people say, Oh, well, when I yell or I like hit my racket, then I am able to release like, I guess tension or something like that. So does, in your experience, does that ever work or is that not really, is that more of just an excuse? Well, look, I think so. I think as long as you have that mindset where you're clear on what you're trying to do, and you're in that present moment, I think what's really important mentally that we're trying to play a point at a time. And as long as we play a point at a time and we don't look too far ahead, we're not focused on the outcome, we're just trying to stay in the present on that tennis court, and we'll be fine. And letting your emotions out in a positive manner, I'm all for. And it's really important that we do so. I think often the momentum changes every sort of six games. So we have to really pick up on that and try and get the best out of, of every match. But love how you started to to talk about mental toughness and the emotional intelligence of tennis. I think it's uh, so important, Merriman. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Appreciate that. You know, you talk about getting the best out of your players, and we've talked about the mental side, but um, are there any other techniques or ways that you're able to to really uh, get the most out of players? Because sometimes, uh, you know, the players might not be 
practicing efficiently or they just don't have the right mindset to, to reach their potential. So what are some tips that you can give us in that regard? Hey, yeah, look, I'm so passionate about personal growth and development. I think it's so key. And, and often in my coaching influences, I've been so lucky to be around some great centers. And when, I'm, when I find myself on court with these players and trying to get the best out of them, I often go back to installing good technique every single time. And I like to think about what do you say the definition of good technique is? And I think lots of people can say many different things. But to me, good technique is something you can repeat under pressure without fail. Uh, and that's so important for every player across the tennis community. You know? Yeah, definitely. Uh, in your experience, um, and also in your, your clubhouse talks, like what stroke would you say is the most uh, asked about uh, in terms of people having the most issues with them? Or with that, with that stroke? You know what? It's interesting, actually, that you've touched on that. We get lots of different standards of players. Myself and Yannick works with WTA players, and I work with a range of players from development all the way up to performance and aspiring pros. And when we have these, these uh, tennis community and tennis enthusiasts coming on Clubhouse, often they're speaking about the most difficult shots that they're trying to implement on the tennis court. Uh, and I'm saying, what are you? Are you a 7.0? Are you an 8.0? And... They're trying to perfect the single-handed backhand. And I'm like, right, come on, let's go back to basics. Let's go back to fundamentals. And let's get yourself feeling good on that tennis court. Let's get yourself feeling comfortable. Because I think now when you think about comfort zones, I think it's really important for you to push yourself sometimes outside of that comfort zone when you're at a, an ATP level. But recreational level, you've got to get comfortable. You've got to allow yourself to feel good. You know, you've got to go on that court. And you've got to repeat good performance time and time again. So am I going to try that sort of single-handed drop shot off the first ball? What's my take on? Let's build the rally. Let's stay in the point. Let's have really big margins. And, and let's look, lower those errors, you know. Let's make balls and, and stay tough to beat. I think it's really important. And in terms of clubhouse, we get a mix of players, a mix of standards everywhere coming and asking us random questions. And I'm always happy to help them and try and get the best out of their tennis in whatever manner I can, you know. But yeah, let's try and simplify things. Basics and fundamentals, Maravan, so important. Yeah, definitely, Josh. And I remember talking to uh, WTA pro Danielle Lau, uh, Danielle Lau, excuse me, and she uh, said in her, her like biggest tip is that a lot of players, or, or all players, they should try to find their rhythm, their internal tempo, and in that way it's going to help them settle in and get more consistent and do better on the court. So uh, I thought that's a very interesting point, a uh, good point that you uh, brought up. Um, so I guess, I mean, you touched upon it some, but what? how can we uh, settle in and get more comfortable on the court? Like, what are some ways that we can do that, like uh, when we have a match? Think, let's think about our intentions and let's touch on that a little bit. Like, what are we trying to do off the first ball? Now, if we're trying to go a centimeter off the net and we're trying to hit winners off that first ball, maybe that's not a good option. Yeah, let's build the rally. Let's think about our intention. Let's maybe think about changing the margins over the net and just trying to make balls, build the rally. Think about are we trying to attack? Are we trying to defend? Are we going to move up into the court? And just try and have a little bit of structure in our decision making. So key. I like the fact how you touched on tempos. Obviously, we've been in lockdown in England. We've had six months off the court. So lots of my performance players have, I think the one taboo subject is their development when they've not been able to get on court and, and implement these sessions and, and 
and get that competitive environment. You know? And what I've started to go into on my content on the tennis court is let's start the first 10 minutes at maybe 20, 30 percent. And let's just really keep the balls in court. Then we'll crank it up to 50 percent. And then maybe we'll go five minutes later to 70 percent. And that's when I'm seeing lots of success when these players are coming back on the court. Again, just allowing them to feel good, allowing them to feel comfortable and trying to get the best out of their tennis. Gotcha, Josh. Great stuff. So in, in your uh, experience, what are some of the most common obstacles that stand between a player uh, and getting the best out of uh, their game? I mean, we have a lot of distractions, a lot of other things that happen. So what types of um, obstacles have you seen for the players? I think obviously it's that culture, that influence that you're around. Are you at an academy? Are you at a more traditional club? Uh, and what have you been brought up around? Uh, and as long as you're around a really good environment when you're training, i.e. when I talk about it, I would like to get the cream of the crop, the best of the bunch together, that have all got the right values, that are all working towards the same goals. And I think that's really important from a player's perspective, to, to not get too comfortable in your surroundings. Always have that feeling of pushing yourself out of that comfort zone, trying to be around players that you're not necessarily going to win games off, but you really feel like you're performing and improving every time you play. So that culture and that environment is created around progression and performance. Very cool. Very cool. And Josh, you mentioned that uh, you had been or you have or are involved in in uh, helping players uh, get to the college level of, of tennis. So uh, I wanted to ask you um, just kind of your your tips on what are recruiters uh, from the U.S. looking for and like just generally what is the best way for uh, players uh, outside of the States and maybe even inside to uh, to nail a, a scholarship or at least a spot on a team? So I think what's really important is for us to look about our UTR ranking. That's something that now you want the American college to be able to assess your standards. They're not necessarily going to have time to look through all this video footage and all these YouTube sort of you playing tennis, you know. So what's your UTR ranking? Is that transferable? Can they assess your standard from there? You know, we've sent many players to, to lots of different colleges and often they just want to look at that UTR ranking, you know. There's exceptions. If you, if you have an ITF ranking, then for sure they're going to have a look at you because that's recognized around the world. But UTR rankings are so important, Maribyrn, to gaining placements and starting to push towards the right college. But I think that academics and mixing that with sport yeah, is a great template and, and you guys are definitely showing the world how to do things. Unfortunately, the, the Baths, the Loughboroughs, the Nottinghams uh, are all trying to catch up over here. Uh, hopefully we can start the culture that you guys have in a few years time. Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, definitely hope so. And, um, you know, with the UTR system, I mean, some people may not be familiar. Are there any special intricacies within UTR? Like as far as, um, I don't know, choosing the right tournaments to play that'll maximize your ranking or anything of that nature, uh, that people should be looking out for, or is it pretty straightforward? UTR ranking is something that was probably, very unknown to, to the whole of Europe. But now it's something that we're really paying attention to. There's definitely an initiative now in England and the LTA are trying to really push that UTR ranking. I think before the players had an LTA rating, and you know, you'd try and prove that to a, to a college and they'd look at it and say, what is this? So UTR rankings are so key now and, and smart scheduling. Can we schedule and go to the right tournaments 
and try and get some results and, and show a track record of your field. You can you can get these wins, you can get these results. And it's a no-brainer. These colleges are going to look at you. I think what's really important, academically, we achieved some good results as well. And we balanced that out with really good performance at the same time. But yeah, smart scheduling is definitely something that I'd look coaches and players. Let's pick the right tournaments to go to. Let's start getting the best out of your players so you can secure those placements. You know, there's lots of colleges that are willing to take these players. It's a very much a tick box exercise. You have to meet the criteria if you want to secure placements. Yeah, definitely, Josh. And uh, I mean, what's an example of the opposite, which is maybe, <laughs> I don't know if what you'd call it, maybe like dumb scheduling or something, but like what, you know, what, what are some mistakes that players are making when they're scheduling tournaments? I think often players are just trying to, sometimes they go into these tournaments and, and you know what, it's unrealistic what they're trying to achieve, you know. So let's have a little look at maybe, are we going to have a look at the acceptance list? have a look at certain tournaments to go to when you're going to get a little bit more success and build that confidence, you know. Really important if you're thinking about 16, 17-year-olds that are starting to get college placement. Feel comfortable when you're competing uh, and try and push those results forward in the right direction. We all know when we get a few losses, suddenly we're not starting to feel so good about that tennis. We're not feeling so inspired about going on that court again. It's all about feeling good on that tennis court, getting those wins, feeling inspired and trying to really get that momentum going in the right direction. Yeah, for sure. For sure, Josh. And you, you uh, obviously have quite a bit of um, uh, LTA player development experience. And we were talking before uh, the podcast about, uh, you know, some other gents who are there as well. Um, so uh, just curious about just overall um, your thoughts on it and, you know, maybe some of the secrets or whatever it could be that, that they do that uh, could be helpful or any other thoughts just generally about LTA. So, yeah, I think the LTA have been doing some great things. I think there's definitely lots of stuff they can improve on. I think just allowing a little bit more opportunity for players to flourish. Uh, and that's what's really key. I think they've got a great national training centre down at Roehampton now. Uh, we've had Louis Kaye looking after the players down there for the last 10 years. I think you've seen the success that Joe Salisbury's having. You've seen the success that Dan Evans getting. So we're producing players on a regular basis, which is great. I think we can always look at other systems and other federations. Um, look at Spain, look at Australia. Can we copy that template a little bit more uh, and start to really pay a little bit more attention to those players and give a little bit more opportunity? You know, when there's opportunity out there at a young age, we can flourish. If we're not given those chances, if we're not given that opportunity, and unfortunately, we can't stay through that pathway. I think what you see a lot in England is players will achieve a lot from, say, 12 to 16 to 17 and then there's that support network that's left out a little bit from sort of 17 to for a couple of years so I think what's really important is for the LTA and the industries and the federation to support players in a proactive manner to get the best out of their tennis and get longevity moving forwards but the LTA is certainly doing great things at the minute uh, also the, the Australian Tennis Federation uh, I really like what those guys are doing I think we can see Lots of European countries that are going to the, the system and going to the federation and getting the best out of their tennis. And they're doing great things. I was lucky enough to go down to Tennis Australia at the SOPTC in Homebush and I worked there for two 
the academy and Henry and Luke Bourgeois are producing some great players at the minute. We're lucky enough to work with sort of 20 individuals that were all inside the top 200 ITF. Uh, so it's an infectious environment that they're creating down there uh, and they're really producing the next generation of players uh, in great volumes. So look, let's, let's have a look at these federations that are putting out these great templates and let's mimic that. Let's get the best out of every individual and let's push these guys forward. The next generation of talent is so key. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you you definitely just generally in life, you want to model off uh, who is doing really well and then adjust to uh, your current situation as needed. So, I mean, you, you mentioned in particular Australia and Spain. So, I mean, you mentioned also opportunities. So, like, what are some of the main things that they're doing which uh, other federations can improve upon? I mean, is it just the financial support of like, I guess, giving more money to the players to go around and play more tournaments? Or are there other things that they're also doing in addition to that? I think in Australia, the players are naturally allowed to gravitate from each center to get the best out of their tennis. I think certain countries can be a bit more specific about holding players back and keeping them in the same academies, you know. I think when you're on your own personal journey there, you have to have a little look around you. You have to see what academies are doing things really well. How can we progress? How can we get the best out of our tennis and and perform well on a regular basis? Uh, Often if that's staying with the federation and they can help you financially, then that's great. But if we have to move elsewhere, we have to go to another academy to get the best out of our tennis. Let's have a little look around us, you know. We often see lots of these players that are going off to Spanish academies. I was lucky enough to go to Brugueros and Sancho Casal when I was younger. Uh, and that's a great template for those guys that are getting out of the system, getting out of the federation, and going to get the best out of their tennis from another country. So I think, yeah, always look at ways to reinvent yourself. Always look at ways to improve it to get the best out of your tennis. Yeah, for sure, Josh. And uh, I know you work a lot with uh, juniors and a lot of different players. Uh, turning to the adult player, I'm curious if this same concept applies you know we're first we're looking at like pro level and then now we're looking at like club level uh but but do you think it it would help at all if if adult players they went to different um like clubs and trained at different clubs or do you think like for that level that's not so much the you know the priority or that would help so much i'm just curious if that applies yeah well look i think everybody wants to win right regardless of what level you're at we want to go out there and we want to compete I think winning, of course, requires some definition. For me, it's, uh, it's kind of simply to better ourselves. Uh, and we have, to, we have to look at ways to do that. You know? so, so if that means playing once a week and, and competing and mixing that schedule together, let's do that. 
if it means increasing our hours, let's do that. Let's find ways that we're trying to change that program a little bit. But I think, yeah, we're always trying to find ways to win. Everybody wants more results, eh? No one wants to go out there and get beaten six love, six love. Everybody wants to go and tell their friends that they've, they've gone the whole way through the tournament uh, and they're getting those Ws, eh? But yeah, I really like your questions. I know that your audience is obviously a little bit more recreational and maybe you have a wealth of different players that are listening in here. So I think it's really important that we not only touch on the, the pro pathway, but we also touch on that recreational pathway as well. You know? Yeah, definitely, definitely. In terms of uh, other topics going to the recreational players, um, maybe like strategy-wise, is there any particular like basic strategies that you think uh, uh club level players are maybe implementing incorrectly or that you've heard that they've asked you about that maybe you want to touch on upon for the audience? Yeah, like I think we touched a little bit on mental toughness and emotional intelligence at the start. And I think what's really key when we're on the tennis court sometimes is stay in the present. Let's play it one point at a time and let's see what happens. You know, often setting goals and setting targets uh, and achievable goals it's really important for players to get the best out of their tennis. So it's always, let's let's set some goals. Let's maybe look at our match. How can we do things a little bit better? Yeah, we're going to make some yeah, we're gonna make some mistakes. Um, and sometimes things aren't going to go our way. But how can we improve on that next match? And how can we ultimately find a way of winning? Yeah, definitely. And, and then in terms of um, finding a coach, because that's obviously uh, can help players a ton if they find the right coach for their game. So any advice regarding uh, regarding just that, like how to find a good coach that will help you reach the next level? Yeah, look, I think you can tell straight away and there's, there's certain signs. I often like to look at how the ball's being fed when I'm walking past this coach. Um, and I always like to, to pick up on the energy that they're creating. Like, is this an infectious environment for players to flourish in? And what's their content like? What's their progression like? And what are the drills like on the court that this coach is doing? I think it doesn't take too long to have a little look and, and know that you're in good hands. And, and definitely all players out there, if you're not improving and you're not getting any better, then maybe it's time to, to have a little look elsewhere and, and pick up a different coach. <laughs> yeah, that, that's definitely 100%. Um, you know, you've you've worked with some uh, some really uh, great players here, uh, especially on the women's side, from what I've uh, seen uh, in your background. So, um, what are uh, one or two things that you've maybe you've learned from working with their, them that could be applied to uh, to club level players or any players to help them improve? Yeah, so a lot of the girls that I've been lucky enough to work with, they're such hard workers on that tennis court. What you put in is what you get out regular basis so, so it's so important to be getting on court and just repeating that performance again and again and again so work rate is really key and look these players are sacrificing a lot Maravan. they know where they want to be they know what they want out of their tennis and they're determined to get there yeah definitely and and i mean like you've of course had players who maybe they're on the court and they're practicing, but you can tell that their intensity level isn't there. Um, you know, maybe they're not giving the effort that they should be. So, uh, I mean, in that, in that instance, I mean, how do you distinguish between when it's time to like lay off a bit? Maybe they're, um, you know, they're just, uh, Oh, what's the term? Um, uh, overworked, I guess. Uh, yeah. 
yeah, we're burned out. How do you distinguish when to to um, lay off versus actually maybe they're just being lazy and then you uh, need to like give them some more uh, motivation? I think it's going to vary a little bit in what age you're working with. I mean, I've worked with under 12s national players and I've worked with, with challenger pros and WTA pros. And I think often when you work with these different styles of players, it's your job as a coach to pick up on these, these emotions and, and pick up on how they're feeling and try and support them in the best manner you can. You know, maybe the, the same effect I'd have on a, on a 14-year-old boy when he comes off the court and he's not working hard enough. I might send him out on a five sort of hundred yard sprints and, and incline sprints for the next 10 minutes after he's finished his match and, and try and give him a consequence afterwards to make him realize that he needs to go out there and he needs to have standards. But if a girl's coming off the court and she's maybe not worked as hard, she's a little bit deflated, she's had a bad week, she's not feeling so good, I'm going to have a softer touch with her. I'm going to look at things a little bit differently. I'm going to assess their emotional intelligence. Uh, and again, I'm going to look at that player a little bit differently. And I think that's really important from a coach's perspective. Every player that you work with is unique. And it's your job to pick up on that. And I think I've been lucky enough to be in the industry for a long time now. Uh, every player is not the same. Come on, guys, let's get proactive as coaches. Let's get the best out of your players. Yeah, definitely. Definitely can't just have one uh, uh, one size fits fits all approach. Um, so you've you've obviously played at a high level, uh, Josh. I mean, I I noticed that you played against uh, Pierre Hughes Herbert. Uh, hopefully, I pronounced it okay. Um, but uh, I, I was wondering uh, if if you could just just kind of interesting to to comment on your experience when you played him, and then maybe like what have you seen him evolve uh, in his game since then. Look, really fascinating that you touched on that, actually. And I probably didn't realize that I played against him and, until this year at the Aussie Open. And one of my players said, do you realize you've you played against two players that are playing main draw? And I said, what are you talking about? Uh, and he, he got up the ITF database and he, he tapped my name in and he showed me that I played Pierre Herbert when I was 16. I played him in Estonia and I had a little look. I think I lost 6-4, 6-4 to him. And, I remember him coming on court and, and I remember this seven foot 16 year old playing in Estonia on the clay courts in the unknown, uh, probably playing my first few weeks uh, on the ITF tour uh, and thinking now to see that pathway that he's gone on. Uh, and when we once were playing against each other, he just played in the final against Medvedev last week, I think. He had one of the, the record doubles matches with Mahu on uh, Wimbledon, which was an epic match for tennis enthusiasts out there. This could be coming back on court and, and reminding me about some of the matches that I've had before. But yeah, these influences really shape your career. Um, James Duckworth as well, doing so well in Australia at the moment. And was lucky enough to play him. We used to go out over in Australia and my coach was from Tasmania, a really good coach called Shane Phone. And he was really big on these influences that you were having uh, in your career when you were younger. He used to get us going over to Australia. We'd go and play the Futures all over Oz. We'd go over to Thailand. Uh, and suddenly we'd see this, how this different culture of players were performing. I remember when I was 16 and we're seeing these Russian guys on the other side. But we went there a little bit, if I'll be honest with you. We were probably not training hard enough. And when we saw this influence around us and we saw how hard these guys were working, boy, did we get back on court and, and make sure we worked our absolute socks up to be where they were. So I think it's really important what kind of influences, uh, what kind of tournaments is is your coach taking you to and that's definitely going to shape your future as a player but yeah i feel very fortunate that the itf tour for any players out there that are thinking about making that transition from maybe 
sort of national standard or maybe really excelling in their nation and their federation. Let's try and take that ITF pathway. They're a great support network throughout tennis and they're really looking after players in a proactive way. So they're doing great things. Awesome stuff there, Josh. Yeah, I, I remember us talking uh, before we started recording about how uh, important, you know, the environment is and how uh, Rafa, like he would come out, him and Moya, they, they come out and actually uh, watch the players and give them encouragement. And so, yeah, just that having that environment and having people to push you and inspire you is, is, is super critical to, uh, to help you develop. So it's great stuff. I'm just curious about the uh, intellectual side of you, so to speak. Um, do you have uh, th- uh, favorite books uh, to help players improve their tennis game? And if not, you know, any resources instead? Yeah, I think Brad Gilbert has put out a lot of books at the minute. Winning Ugly is a great book that I've read recently. Uh, I think there's uh, Finding a Way to Win as well. Uh, and also recently Rob, uh, read the Agassi book which was a great insight into a tennis player's life outside the tennis court. I'm really fascinating, actually. So, yeah, I'm always looking at trying to pick up a different book to read and, and trying to find ways of really switching off after coaching sort of 10, 12 hours a day. I think it's often nice to sit down and, and read a book and really unwind and in a positive manner. But, but yeah, Brad Gilbert, Winning Ugly, go out there and read it. Great book. Yeah, for sure. And uh, any lessons that stand out from either of those books that uh, that just pop in your mind that you can share? Yeah, look, I think there's lots of different signs of adversity. And it's going to be a struggle out there on the tennis court. Things aren't going to go your way sometimes. There's often things that we can do to shift that momentum to make us feel good on the tennis court. That, that mindset, that mental intelligence to get the best out of our tennis is something that Brad Gilbert always talks about. He's had so much success with his players and keeping them mentally tough throughout matches. Look, sometimes we're going to be out there. Sometimes things aren't going to go our way. Sometimes we're not going to be able to control things. Sometimes we're going to get pushed out of our comfort zones. But we've got to really be realistic with our performance at those times uh, and try and get optimum performance. And I think these books definitely touch on those subjects really well. Yeah, definitely. I can remember reading uh, Rad's book in particular. And yeah, just amazing, you know, how many different things he picked up on that really could turn the match. And a lot of observant or a lot of people who aren't as observant wouldn't have picked up on them. So uh, that really helped him maximize yeah, his career. Uh, really, really tough, uh, you know, tough competitor there. And actually, you know, we were talking also about a really cool giveaway. I was on Instagram earlier today, and then I, I noticed uh, that you had posted about it. So, uh, can you tell us about this uh, this giveaway that's gonna that that's going on right now? Sure. Yeah. So now I'm posting a little bit of content on Instagram, trying to get the best out of all the tennis enthusiasts around there. And recently, I've got the two new frames that I've got ordered from Babalat. So it's the new wrapper frames they're the aero drives and they're the 2001 range so i don't think they're out in the shops yet and you can go to tennis life 17 on instagram and there's a free giveaway uh, april 1st i will reveal the winner and no it's not april fools i will actually reveal the winner and send the racket internationally to to at random to whatever player wins and all you have to do is have a little look at my instagram uh, and i think it's my most recent post so guys feel free to start try and find a, a way of winning these rackets. 
Very cool. Very cool. Um, yeah, that was funny. Alex, our, our mutual friend, he posted uh, that it's, it, is it an April Fool's joke? No, it's not. Um, so cool. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, he's moderating a lot of different rooms on Clubhouse, which is uh, a great app, uh, iPhone only, I think. Um, so that that's very cool. Uh, so Josh, where... Uh, I mean, you notice, or you you mentioned that uh, uh, Instagram is a great place to follow you, but uh, are there any other uh, profiles or anything like that where people should be following you? Yeah, well, you can have a little look at my playing history. Yeah, you have a look on the ITF website, and that will sort of those of you that are interested in playing ITF tournaments, you can have a little look at my pathway. Uh, I was lucky enough to get to, I think I was about 600, 500, something like that, ITF when I was 16. I went into coaching so so I have a little look on the ITF website and, and you can see through there Instagram actually is the platform that I'm really active on at the minute been a blessing in disguise to touch a little bit on Clubhouse like we moderate like you said every morning with Yannick Yannick works with WTA players over in Germany um, actually worked with Swatek who, who did really well in Roland Garros this year so it'd be great for you guys to come in nine o'clock every morning London time and you can come in on our conversation. Tennis pros, uh, Josh Tennis, feel free to, to add me. And I can tell you a little bit more about the tennis world. Yeah, awesome, man. Yeah, that, that that's uh, definitely a great service that you're doing on uh, Clubhouse consistently talking about uh, tennis and how to help players improve, which obviously jives with what we're doing here. And yeah, I think for Clubhouse, you'll need an invite to get on on the on that app. So I don't know reach out to your friends or one of us and we can see if we can hook you up with it. So, um, great stuff, Josh. Uh, yeah. Uh, I just want to ask you, uh, this classic question I always ask, uh, uh, my guests, which is what is one key tip that you can give the audience to help them improve their tennis games? Yeah. Well, look, Maravan, I think again, your aim for this podcast is trying to inspire the listeners to win. Hey, through learning and sharing by a series of conversations. I just want to start by saying, listen to a few of your other podcasts and you seem to be really working towards that so that's great but guys let's go out there let's work hard let's get the best out of our tennis coaches let's inspire the next generation of players in a proactive manner uh, and the tennis is going to flourish you know really important for you guys to go out there think about your smart scheduling we touched on that a little bit what tournaments are we playing how are we going to try and reach peak performance out there uh, and how can we really stay on that tennis pathway so important, eh? For sure, for sure, Josh. Uh, awesome. Well, thanks a lot for the value that you've delivered to the audience today. Uh, some really great topics that we touched upon. And uh, yeah, like uh, Josh said, definitely follow him uh, on Instagram uh, at TennisLife17 and check out that uh, Bablet giveaway. Uh, I'm going to enter myself, <laughs> see if I win or not. But uh, yeah, definitely check it out. So uh, thanks again, Josh, for coming on. And uh, I'm sure we'll touch base again uh, very soon. Maravan, pleasure. Thanks for giving everyone that perfect tennis experience. I look forward to talking to you soon. Take care. Thank you. Thanks, Josh. All right. I hope you enjoyed my interview with Coach Josh Oxley. Uh, Josh, thanks for coming on to the show. And if you enjoyed this episode and if you enjoy the podcast, I really would appreciate you subscribing to the show. Just hit that big juicy subscribe button on your favorite podcast app of choice. I do have a quote for you, as I often do at the end of the show, and this one is from Bob Marley. And Bob said, open your eyes, look within. Are you satisfied with the life you're living?
That's a great quote. Very powerful. You can apply that to your tennis game too. And yeah, that's pretty much it. For any links that we mentioned on the show, you can go to tennisfiles.com slash 191. And I just want to give a shout out to the Tennis Summit that's coming up this year, Tennis Summit 2021. As you probably heard me talk about it before, uh, last year we had about 14,000 people attend. And so we're doing a lot to build it up this year. Uh, and I'm really excited. We have some amazing coaches on, and we have, uh, I think, over 40 coaches right now and some amazing names. So just go to tennisfiles.com and subscribe to my newsletter uh, on that page near the top if you want to get updates on it, if you want to get notified on exactly how to register. All right, well, have a great one, and wish you all the best as always, and always great hearing from you. Really appreciate the support and kind emails, and that's all for me. So this is Mirabhan Aranshad signing out, and I'll see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files Podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files Podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.